Welcome to Mighty Buildings Podcast. Each episode features architects, home builders, and industry professionals sharing their experiences, failures, and successes. At the end of each episode, we'll dive into how Mighty Buildings relates to the conversation through our use of 3D printing, robotics, and automation. I'm your host, Sam Rubin, Chief Sustainability Officer and co-founder here at Mighty Buildings. And today it is my distinct pleasure uh, to welcome my guest, Eve Picker, the founder and CEO of Small Change. Welcome to the podcast, Eve. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Can you tell our listeners a bit about uh, what you're doing at Small Change and some of the other exciting uh, projects that you have underway? Because you've been doing some really, really cool things in the, out of Pittsburgh and elsewhere. Sure. Um, so it's a little bit complicated, but in a nutshell, Small Change is a real estate uh, crowdfunding platform where anyone over the age of 18 can invest in meaningful impact projects. And um, that sounds kind of simple, but it's really not. It's built, um, it's built around securities regulations that were uh, promulgated in 2012 through the JOBS Act by the Obama administration. And it was really their first attempt to democratize investment. And that's probably the most, impo- the most exciting part of all of this is before that act, Anyone who wanted to invest in real estate or even a business opportunity um, did that behind closed doors. They had to know someone. They had to be an accredited investor. They had to have significant net worth to be able to invest in anything. And, and so these laws really opened up the door for everyday people to invest. What gave you the idea to, to come up with that platform? So, you know, I'm an architect by training. Um, I have a master's in urban design, and you can hear this is... Although I live in Pittsburgh, this is not a Pittsburgh accent. So um, I moved here very What? You're not a Yinzer? <laughs> not a Yinzer, no. Um, <laughs> but I, I grew up in Australia and, and actually took myself to New York to do a master's in urban design because I, I was always really fascinated about cities rather than iconic architecture on its own. And I, I wanted to learn about that. I had a great program at the time. Um, and then I came to... Pittsburgh really unexpectedly um, and um, it really kind of it really transformed my career trajectory um, in an exciting way I I discovered I didn't love architecture I discovered that I'm probably a little bit of a control freak and I discovered um, community development corporations and volunteering in in, my, in the neighborhood I, I moved into to help it make it better. And um, along the way, I discovered real estate development. And uh, for me, it was like coming home. I just, I, I loved the process of taking an old building and converting it back into a useful life. And I love the process of the of, and the challenge of the financing of it, which was probably always the most difficult part. It wasn't for me the design as much as I love design and architecture was almost the easy part, making it come together, um, finding the funds to make it work and to be um, a, not even a profitable, but a break-even venture was always the most difficult and challenging Piece. I really believe that banks, financial institutions are, are squashing the innovation out of cities. They mm. want to they want to finance tried and true, right? They want to they want an appraisal. They want to know that it's been done three times before. And, yep. and gotta have those cops. 
Right, you've got to have those comps. And yet, if you're really going to change a place that has had no investment and you're the first in, there's nowhere to go for that financing. And and that's really what we've been trying to solve um, with small change. Um, I'm hoping eventually we will. It's been a long road, but that's that's really yeah. where it came from. That's amazing. And Definitely share that that frustration in terms of comps and everything. It's something we're we're running into in the ADU space and more broadly oh, the three yes. D the three D printing space. Although at least with three D printing, we're since we're doing this prefabrication, we're able to kind of draw parallels to other prefabricated units, even if they're they're not three D printed. But it's a huge, huge issue, and yeah, one that there's I don't know that anyone's come up with a good solution for her yet. Although I think what you're doing a small change is a, is an amazing opportunity to really democratize that process. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, picking back up one thing you said there before, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm lucky enough to, to be familiar with the, the Pittsburgh story, at least somewhat just uh, being lucky enough to have family from the area, but I don't know that how many people realize how yeah, amazing yeah. the Pittsburgh story has been in terms of be, the possibility of being a model for going from a traditional steel or coal or traditional manufacturing hub and kind of reimagining itself for the 21st century. Um, I wonder if you can touch on that a little bit. It took a long time, but yeah, when I arrived here, it was, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people I would talk to and I'd say, you know, this is a gorgeous city. You know what downtown Pittsburgh is. Oh, like. it's amazing. It's city of Bridges. Beautiful. And the architecture is astounding because there was, there was so much wealth here and, mm-hmm. you know, it's really pretty pretty fabulous and I'd say that to people in Pittsburgh and and I'd say it's a beautiful city and they'd look at me and they'd say you don't really mean that because they were so down on themselves yeah they went through a horrendous time when um, manufacturing just left you know the steel industry left and anyone who was left anyone who could leave to find a job somewhere else went and everyone who couldn't leave was left behind. And it was a a very, very difficult period of time. It took a long time to to reinvent the city. And even the last 10, 15 years, even even the demographics have changed radically. It used to be, I think, only the second oldest county in the in the country, only second to Dade County, I believe. And now, <laughs> oh, wow. and now you can go to neighborhoods and there's lots of young people, which is, you know, always invigorating to see. So it's been a, a pretty radical transformation. Yeah, it's a gorgeous city. And it's a typical Rust Belt story. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm cu- I'm curious, building on that, what what do you see as lessons from that? Because I, t- I mean, you've obviously played a, a a role in that with with the great work you've done in development and everything. But but what what do you see in terms of, of lessons that can be maybe learned for for other communities as as so many people are kind of going through this a new cycle of what does it mean to reimagine what a community oh. is in the light of remote work, in the light of the the pandemic, in light of kind of all the different pressures we're seeing from various um, forces, external forces on, on communities uh, in the, as we progress through the 21st century. I mean, I think the biggest lesson I learned is I sort of watched over the year people jostle for like, like, well, you know, I made this happen. It was me. It was me. <laughs> I, think, I think the key takeaway is, you know, you've got to reach a tipping point, And the more you can work together, the faster you'll get there. 
Mm-hmm. It's not any one thing. It, it's never any one thing, and it can yeah. be different things in different places that get you to a point um, where where the city's desirable again, where it's a place where people want to be instead of a place where people that people want to leave. But I can't. I don't think it's any one thing. But there have been so many players here. Like we had Mayor Tom Murphy for for years, who was. Um, very gutsy in the position he took in supporting development in in neighbourhoods and and other things. And I think that we're still seeing, even though he's been out of office for a while, he's a senior fellow at ULI now, but we're Mm -hmm. still seeing the after effects of the work that he did, including piecing together a a bike trail that goes from Pittsburgh to D.C., so, Which is amazing. Um, yeah. the University of Pittsburgh had an extraordinary leader who, Nordenberg, who basically took it from being um, sort of the, the, the university that would kind of last on the list, you'd go there if you really had to, to being difficult to get into school, a school that promoted excellence uh, above, above anything. So there's all these little pieces that happened. You know, I think it's a lot of people doing a lot of things. Yeah, well, that's 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 great and wonderful, um, and definitely. I mean, I think that you speak to a key key aspect of it, which is the importance of collaboration. I mean, it's one and, and it's one thing to to have a great idea and have a new way of thinking and want to disrupt things, but to really understand what does it mean to to do so collaboratively, uh, particularly in a way that that brings in those those who have been working in a space for a long time. So that they become allies instead of uh, adversaries, I think is is a really great lesson right. to, to take for take from that. Really hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's like, yeah, and especially when you've got a great idea and and then egos get involved and and definitely it's, I think it speaks to the importance of humility and in, in, in bringing about change. Yes. Yeah. Um, somewhat tied to that, one of the things we love talking about on on this podcast is really understanding where along the way there might have been challenges or, or even things that might have at the time seemed like failures that in retrospect turned out to actually be wonderful opportunities or perhaps a, a tipping point in transitioning from one path to another. Um, and would love love to hear any any thoughts you have on that or experiences you have. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it was the day you realized you didn't actually want to be an architect. And that was kind of, for me, it was the day I did realize I didn't want to be a lawyer. Uh, so I yeah. get it. <laughs> No, I feel like I feel like my whole life's been a constant failure. <laughs> um, it's all been extremely challenging. I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm made this way, but I I I like to be challenged, and challenges mean there are really difficult times, and that's kind of part and parcel of of what I do. I I don't think anything I've done has been easy. Um, I'm trying to think of a particular failure. Yeah, I mean, I when I left architecture, I thought I was a complete failure. I spent six months crying, wondering what the hell was wrong with me. Why wasn't I happy with this profession? So I, I certainly felt like a failure then. Um, but but I think you know what I've learned over the years is with um, with every exit is an opportunity. Like when your best employee quits, that can be an amazing opportunity to reinvent the company or, you know, there's, there's always an opportunity in anything that happens. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Yeah, no, very, very much agree. I mean, one of the things 
uh, the, I personally, as part of my personal philosophy, is that idea that every, the flip side of every challenge is an opportunity. Just like you say, I mean, if there's if you're running into obstacles, it means that there's there's this opportunity to create a new way of doing things or take advantage of ways of doing things that maybe haven't been applied in the in, to this particular problem. And so that's one of the things at Mighty Buildings we do a lot of, and kind of trying to imagine um, what's next, how can we do better, what's Yes. What, what are the pain points that we're seeing that everyone else has and how might we be able to solve them in a different way, given that we bring a unique perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially difficult when you're um, leading an industry that isn't clear yet. And so small change and probably mighty buildings, I would imagine, I, I am finding that that's probably the biggest challenge. There isn't an industry yet. And so there are, there are a lot of people while we're building this company, there are a lot of people learning about it just as a possibility. Um, we need them to be educated and further along. And that requires a lot of patience. And, and you know, maybe, maybe a company might, like mine looks like a failure on the outside. I've been plugging away at it for five, five years. Um, it's been, it was a couple of years of just, uh, it's been, I don't even know where to start with it, but we're talking about the securities and exchange industry where <laughs> rules have changed and I've had to rebuild the platform yep. and I've had to make decisions that were incorrect decisions and um, based on an industry that barely exists. That's really, that's really hard. So maybe a failure is not having a company you can sell in three years, but, but see, I, I'm not sure that's a failure. I want to build a company. I, I, I certainly wouldn't no think how it. how long it takes. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I mean, to me, at the end of the day, it's it's about the impact. And I think what you're building has huge, huge potential. Um, and really, particularly as we're seeing this, I mean, the demo, I mentioned before, but the democratization of investing. Um, yes. I mean, I, I think the best example we've seen just broadly is everything with Wall Street bets and like GameStop and everything. And all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, maybe they're actually onto something. And this idea that kind of beginning to see this empowerment of the individual. And so I think you being out ahead of the curve and doing all the work you've done is, is so important in creating, helping create spaces for that. So that when, when people are ready, there's something they can step into instead of having to start from scratch and kind of have that additional barrier to, to so it requires people who are forward thinking like you are. We're looking at it three, four, ten years ahead. And be like, well, okay, what are we going to need for this to work? So I think I really I compliment you for that. Oh, thank you. You know, I'm especially proud today because we launched an offering for a black woman um, developer. She's a force of nature, and you know, I did a I did a headcount on our platform, and there are seven minority developers listed on the homepage out of eighteen, and that's awesome. that's that's a win. Um, that's huge. It, it, it should be more, but it's a huge win, and I'm hoping that we can really help sort of create, help make a more equitable landscape in this in this country in, in our little way. A hundred percent. That's that's really really great to hear. And then yeah, that's something that we're we're really hoping to do as well, particularly as we we work with uh, builders and developers and, and give them new tools to do more and to build more sustainably. Uh, one of the things that that includes to us is the social impact and really how do we leverage our technology to empower uh, historically marginalized communities to to be able to step into these spaces that they've been excluded from for so long. Yes, yeah, it's difficult. It, it is. I mean, it's a big big challenge, but it's. I mean, it's. One that it's, I, I'm getting, I, I'm excited because 
it's finally something that I'm hearing moving into the mainstream, which has been really, really yeah. wonderful and something that hasn't been the case up until really the last couple of years. Yes, that's right. So just before we close, what what's out there in ter- that you're get you're excited about kind of in terms of either technology or kind of cha- shifting paradigms or or what have you that that kind of gives you hope for the future and gets you gets you excited about but what's what's next oh <laughs> that's a really hard question to answer. <laughs> I, I i have my head so solidly in this space that it's 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 hard to look up. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure there's know, some amazing things in that space. So, but. Well, I'm, I'm actually hopeful that um, that blockchain actually evolved into something useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not really so enamored of cryptocurrency, but I think there are some really complicated and ridiculous processes in real estate that just have to become more streamlined. And I'm, I'm hopeful that blockchain may move in that direction um perhaps already has and i haven't i haven't been paying attention but but um i i think that's of great interest to me and the other thing that i i'm really hopeful for is the pandemic as awful it was as it was really kind of made us all think about transportation transit and cities in a different way and Mm -hmm. i've been watching cities all over the world give up road space to public space walkable space, bikeable space, and, and I love that. And I'm, you know, there's this equation in real estate where when someone builds affordable housing that's too far from jobs, it means the person living there needs a car. It means you have to build the parking space. It means that that means that the quality of the living space is going to be lower because money is going to parking, not living. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful that that equation is going to shift a little. That's what I really hope for. I'd like to see some roads be going serious road diets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more on both on terms of blockchain and kind of its potential for for really bringing streamlined, streamlined processes and also opportunities for confident, like anonymity, but with transparency. And there's there's one more thing, and that and that is like manufacturing housing. I mean, I'm really hopeful when I see um, companies like Mighty Buildings or other manufacturing efforts really kind of tackle head on um, this idea of how can we build faster to house people more quickly and less expensively. And I I, I hope someone solves it really soon. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're, we're certainly trying, and there's obviously a lot of a lot of smart people put in a lot of, a lot of great work, both at Mighty Buildings and a lot of other companies. I mean, the Advanced Building Construction Collaborative was recently recently launched to help address that, while also decarbonizing housing. And yeah, it's an exciting time to to be in the space. Well, thank you yes. so much, Eve. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you. Thank you and for again. Uh, my guest today on the Mighty Buildings podcast has been Eve Picker, founder and CEO of Small Change, which is a, uh, unlock, providing a real estate crowdfunding platform to match developers with everyday investors and really empower uh, people to build unlock the, uh, the potential of their communities. So thank you so much, Eve. Oh, before I let you go, where can people go to find out more about Small Change? Oh, go to smallchange.co. Awesome. Well, th- again, thank you, Eve pleasure having you. Always enjoy a chance to to converse with you and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.